0: Welcome to the Too Bad Eugene podcast. I'm your host, Adam Nye. Let's talk Too Bad Eugene. Hey, welcome to episode two of the Too Bad Eugene podcast. Um, It's been a really fun week this last week with the launch of our our first episode. Um, It's been great kind of seeing feedback online and uh, I've gotten some messages from several of you. Uh, it's been very encouraging. Um, it's been especially fun getting messages uh, from people saying uh, that they, they love the idea of the show, uh, and I wanted to kind of talk, uh, speak to that just for a minute. The idea of uh, of uh, a band or, or an artist doing uh, you know a track by track commentary podcast series um, it, it is something I'm really excited about uh, and something I'd like to see a lot more of, um, but. <laughs> What, what's funny is my own podcast diet is, is sort of funny. Um, I've, you know, when I first got into podcast listening, w- which coincided with the time in my life when I started having a longer commute, because, uh, you know, I drive a good hour t- uh, each way to work, and that's, uh, that's been going on for about six years, and uh, maybe more than that, yeah, um, a little over six years geez, it's been seven, yeah, uh, but it, it was around that time that I started really listening to podcasts, and when I started, I, I listened to all kinds of different podcasts, but within like six months to a year, I really narrowed down on a specific genre, which is almost exclusively uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe um, news and breakdown type podcasts, Uh, My favorites of that are uh, the MCU fan show, which is um, the only podcast I'm like a paying subscriber of um, because they they do a weekly podcast show and a uh, like a bonus show for, uh, you know, for their Patreon subscribers or or I do it on um on Apple Podcasts. Uh but I love that show. I it's, it's just fun analysis of what's going on in the MCU. Uh there's Phase 0 um and Inside Marvel. Those are like the three podcasts I listen to every week, especially if there's a Marvel show on or a new movie out. Those are my favorite things to listen to. I know I'm a total nerd. I don't care. I I love that stuff. Um, I even briefly did my own podcast where I was kind of intersecting, um, you know, breakdown Marvel analysis type stuff with my professional life, which is uh, as a a theologian. Uh, You know, I'm a student of and and I teach Christian theology. So I would kind of just have fun looking at different things in the Marvel universe from a theological perspective. Um, that podcast, uh, it still exists out there. I'm not doing new episodes of it. It's called, uh, it's all connected. I think there's a few different podcasts called it's all connected, but if you want to look for it, it's like, you know, my name, uh, I think is attached to it, but, uh, you know, I, I, I did a short run of those, uh, actually that, that really did happen at the same time I had the idea for this podcast, um, because it was, it was just at this time, in 2020 where I was like ready to be creative again it had been years since I had done anything kind of for public consumption that was creative and I was just itchy to get going I knew we had a long road in front of us in terms of making an album and I wanted to do this podcast once that album was done and out in the world but I just wanted to get going on something so I did that uh, it's all connected podcast for a while and it was super fun um but you know back on topic uh I also am a fan, though I don't listen to them as often. Uh, I I do like the uh, the rise of um, episode by episode rewatch podcasts, like The Office, ladies, uh, where they, you know it's um, oh, Jenna Fisher. And Angela Kinsey, who played Pam and Angela on The Office, and they go through episode episode by episode, and talk about the kind of you know some of the inside stories of the creative processes of making those those episodes. I just think that kind of thing is super fun. Um, Calvin, my son, has been talking to me about talking Sopranos uh, for a long time. Uh, he discovered that podcast a year or so ago, um, and I we're both huge Sopranos fans. Um, I've watched through that show. I can't even tell you how many times, uh, and I, I haven't actually gotten to listen to that podcast yet. I I had been meaning to, but then for my birthday this summer, Calvin got me the book that kind of collects the, you know, transcripts of that, of that show. And, um, I've been reading that book a little bit over the summer and it's super fun. I love that kind of thing. And as I've gotten into those podcasts, it's just been in my head. I wish bands would do this. I wish, you know, artists that made albums would do track by track commentary things. Um, and so I was like, Hey, I'm making a record. Maybe I'll do it. Um, Calvin has told me that he is aware of other bands doing it, but when I've asked him follow-up questions, he couldn't tell me any. Uh, so I, I I would love it if, if there are podcasts like this that I'm not aware of. Um, and Hey, if you know of some, I would love it. If you'd let me know, you can, uh, you can hit me up on, uh, on Twitter or uh, Facebook. Um, we've got Too Bad Eugene accounts on both of those spaces. Feel free to reach out there. Uh, I think it, it literally is just Too Bad Eugene <laughs> on uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We're in all those places. You can also email me, um, Too Bad Eugene Band at gmail.com. Uh, and let me know if, if there are other podcasts like this, because I would I would love for this to become normal. Um, I, I have gotten a few uh, messages from a few other musician friends that have been like, hey, this is such a cool idea. I promise I won't steal the idea. And I wanted to say publicly, please, I would love it if this kind of uh, genre of podcast became totally normal. Like when a new album was coming out, uh, you'd be able to find the lyrics on you know, Spotify and Apple Music. But then if you wanted to go deeper dive, if it was just a regular thing that the band did like, re- you know, we used to have liner notes. When when we buy CDs, and you'd have the CD booklet, and sometimes there would be, you know, more than just the lyrics. There'd be some kind of reflections from the band in those things. And and with the decline of physical media, uh, I know it's kind of coming back. You know, we've got CDs of the new uh, new album and and records too, but we didn't write commentary uh, in the liner notes on those things. Um, Most people aren't really interacting with our music in that way. They're streaming it, so. Think of this podcast series as the liner notes, uh, and please, if you are uh, making music, uh, <laughs> it feels like this sounds arrogant. Like, please take my idea. I'm sure this is not my original idea, but I will admit I hadn't heard of any other bands doing this, and I I would love it if I did. So, please, if you like this idea, do it. Uh, I would love to listen to your podcast and get uh, you know deeper insight into the music you're making. Um, okay so I, uh, I want to get into the topic of the episode uh, before I do though, uh, I do want to make sure you know if you especially if you live in Northern California or have tons of extra money and time and want <laughs> to fly uh, to to Northern California uh, we have two nights of shows back to back coming up this month in October. We're playing on October 26th. That is a Wednesday night at the X Bar in Cupertino. Um, that, you know, that's the South Bay. And then the following night, uh, we are in Santa Cruz. Uh, this is October 27th, Thursday night, at Urbani's Cellar, formerly Bocce Cellar, down in Santa Cruz. Um, both nights are with Give You Nothing, our uh, buddies and label mates, uh, whose new record is coming out on People of Punk Rock Records really soon. I want to say in the next week or so. Um, and then College Radio will be coming through on tour. So we're playing with both of those bands both nights. Um, and then uh, the, the Cupertino show uh, will also have Stranger Than. And the Santa Cruz show will also have Ladders. So uh, please come out, hang out, um, buy some merch, uh, hear us play. We're going to be playing a bunch of songs from the new record. Uh, so I hope you're into that. We'll have we'll have some older some older stuff too, but uh, um, we're also I think we're we're playing kind of earlier in the night for both nights, so it's not like a full headlining set. So we're kind of slanting more toward the new record, which I'm really excited about. the 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 practice room has been really fun getting into the new stuff. Uh, so all right, so here we go. Let's 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 get into uh, this episode. Is going to be kind of a breakdown of uh, of talking head the the. Track one on our new record, Distance. Um, last week, uh, if you didn't check out the first episode of the show, I kind of went through the story of 2002 to 2022, for the sake of kind of really getting into the the like really difficult period uh, that w- was coming out of the difficult period, which was like 2013 through 2017. And I'll even say 2017 was only kind of the beginning of coming out of it. There was still some rough going. Um, I want to say, you know, it was really 2013 to 2020. 2020 was the year like the world kind of went in the toilet, but my healing process was really coming into its like fullness. Like I was really starting to feel better and ready to kind of do something fun again. So if you want to hear more about that, check out last week uh, if you didn't. Um, But that sort of dark period is. Central subject matter of the record, but more toward the middle of the record, um, uh, kind of. <laughs> I, I would say there are four songs on the record that are like a, directly about the those hard years in some way. That's "Non Grata," "Back to Life," "Distance," and "I Lost the World." Those four songs are all really about the the sort of darkness faced and mm-hmm. the the. Different sides of the issues I was wrestling with, um, in that time. So yeah, th- you know, three of out of those four songs are are like first half of the record. Then you uh, you know I, I'm kind of breaking down the way this album moves. As um, you move out of those songs, you get into uh, three songs in a row that are about family. Really, they're they're kind of they're songs either with or to my family that's through the window stuck and take another shot those are all like me and my wife me and my kids kinds of songs um and then out of that you've got some songs about music because i missed it (laughs) and i was just thinking about my my life as a musician and wanting to get back to it so i there's three songs um again in a row that are dealing with that take another shot is it goes in both categories right that's that's a song that's like basically narrating a conversation with my wife and I uh so it's a song about family but it's also a song about music because it's like uh it's kind of her telling me to take another shot to you know uh to come out of the negativity out of the defeatism and and step up again and and make music again um so Uh, That song, Anecdote, and Get Back There are all, yeah, about music. But all that just to say, that's kind of the middle substance of the record. The album begins and ends with um, kind of broader, more reflections on the state of the world or the state of our country or that kind of thing. Uh, So that's, you know, talking head and deconversion story at the beginning of the record, and then toward the end of the record, Antithetical, and then the last song on the record, January 6th. Those songs are, I I guess they're less personal in the sense that they're not about, they're not directly about me (laughs) and the things I was going through. They're more kind of me reflecting on things I'm seeing or dealing with in the larger, larger world. Deconversion Story and Antithetical are more personal. And I'll get into those and in, in, in terms of you know, how those songs are personal, but they're also kind of reflections on larger things. But the first and last song, Talking Head and January Sixth, are both number one like protest uh, songs. They're kind of you know meant to be sort of protest anthems, um, and yeah, they're 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 broader in their subject matter. It's it, it's more about um, the big picture, the, the things I'm seeing going on in the world. Um, and they do kind of come from the place of my professional life as a theologian. Like a, I, I'm a person who, um, you know, I spend my time thinking and, and reading and researching and teaching about, um, you know, the big things. I, you know, I, I think a lot about the state of the world, about culture, and, and I do so from a place of faith um, and, and, and the way faith plays into all that. Uh, and I think a, a lot about the place that people of faith Play in our larger world, um, so that yeah, maybe that kind of background is more pertinent to January sixth, but it does tie into um, Talking Head uh, quite a bit as well. Um, so I'm going to kind of circle back to the the lyrical substance of the song. Let me start with just kind of like where this song uh, originates musically. This one, I, I said last week, I, I talked about in the middle of those kind of dark years in 2016 we had this one-off opportunity to play a show with MXPX um, down in Hollywood at uh, at the Troubadour, and that was a bright spot in a dark time. It was an amazing night. <laughs> we, uh, we, we had so much fun. And we came out of that show with this energy, like, let's get Too Bad Eugene going again, and I was like, okay, time to write some songs. Or to, uh, you know, I took some of the songs I already had and kind of readdressed them and, and, and uh, you know, uh, Tightened the screws on a few of them, but then I was also like beginning to write new songs, and this one was one of those. Uh, I wrote the um, I wrote the song musically in 2016, demoed it. Uh, it didn't really change from how I wrote it, uh, at least instrumentally uh, uh, back then, and I wrote it very intentionally as a. If if too bad Eugenia was gonna make a new record or an EP or whatever, it needs a track one, it needs an opening song, and I very much wanted it to be a protest anthem slash party song. I wanted a song that was just gonna come right out of the gate with energy and melody and immediacy and be angry but fun, and um, that I mean to me that's what the kind of music I you know. The the area of punk rock that we come from uh, is, is all about. Um, I think especially of like, uh, I know certain people will, people will roll their eyes at this, but I don't care. Green Day, I stink and love Green Day, uh, especially their their um, Lookout Records era stuff and Dookie, that first you know major label record they made. That's kind of what they were doing. It was angry, it was political, but it was fun. The songs were short um and uh, yeah it just had that immediacy but I- i'll say i also hear some older stuff in this song um maybe one of the first punk rock songs i remember hearing as a kid was um clean cut american kid by ill repute uh that song was featured on a uh, compilation from Rodney on the Rock which was an LA radio show uh you know on K Rock um and my, my older brother, Sammy, who's like seven years older than me, being a, a surfer in Santa Cruz in the 80s, uh, he was pretty in touch with like, you know, California hardcore, California punk rock. Um, so way before I could actually like any of that stuff, like my brother would drive me around in his truck when he was 16. So I was like nine um, <laughs> and he would be playing, uh, you know. Gosh, uh, the Circle Jerks and the Descendants and um, and uh, Descendants, even as a, as a kid, I could hear the melody and I could hear that it was kind of fun. Uh, but, you know, yeah, it, it was also, you know, stuff out of California, like uh, Seven Seconds from uh, Reno, Nevada, who I later on in life loved, but as a kid, I couldn't stand it, uh, and Minor Threat. Um, and anyway, he'd play all this stuff, but... Uh, I remember him playing that song "Clean Cut American Kid" uh, from that uh, Rodney on the Rock comp, and I loved it. That song is two chords, literally. Like it never changes from two chords, but it is so catchy. It's so immediate. It it's fun. It kind of sounds positive, but you know it's super sarcastic, and I could I could tell that um, even as as a younger kid. Uh, so that song has never left my, my consciousness. I've always loved it. Um, and I, I hear a little bit of its influence in this song, Talking Head. I can hear a little bit of like songs like Suspect Device from Stiff Little Fingers. Um, I was also at this time, 2016, I was so into, uh, the kind of comeback era of Swing and Utters. I was aware of Swing and Utters and their original kind of period in the, uh, well, maybe not their original period, but like their fat records period in the 90s. Um, I wasn't like the like the biggest fan of theirs, but I was aware of them. But when they came back with uh, Here Under Protest, and the, uh, in, I think that was 2011, and then Poorly Formed, I loved those records. I was listen- listening to them a lot, uh, and I was very ready to channel some of that into what I wanted to be doing in Too Bad Eugene. So I kind of hear like um, The Long Way Home, which is a song on uh, Here Under Protest. Uh, from swinging and Utters. There's that kind of stuff. The, you know, these are like, the, you know, all of those songs are in some sense uh, like kind of uh, angry protest songs, but they're also kind of, you know, just fun and positive um, in some sense. I will say that the original version of this song, it was called Snake Oil for years, actually. Uh, uh, so like I say, it really hasn't evolved musically, but lyrically it's a very different song from how I first wrote it. It was very negative, <laughs> the first version of it. Uh, it. It was a protest song that as I sat with it over a period of years, I became dissatisfied with it because it was angry and protest with no real solution, with nothing to offer really about what I was angry about. And as I got closer to actually making this record, I really didn't want anything like that on it. If I, if I was going to protest something, if I was going to call stuff out, I wanted there to be a clear, like, so what, it, what should it look like? Uh, cause to me, that's, you know, that's this, a side of punk rock. Um, I, I, I'm not that into, I'm not into cynicism when, when there's stuff that's just negative, but there's no responsibility, uh, from the author, from the artist to like cast a positive vision, uh, and and there have been voices within punk rock. I mentioned seven seconds ago. I loved their positivity. They were always like it was protest, but with like this force of a movement. They wanted to build something. Um, same thing with uh, with Minor Threat. Um, I will say like th- that was one thing I found difficult about Black Flag. Sorry, I can't talk. Black Flag. Um, I, I liked their music early on, but yeah, it's really cynical and really negative. I will say, uh, as I've gotten older and looked on on their legacy, they did have the same kind of uh, energy and desire to build something. Like if you watched what the band did, not just what they said, they were, you know, they wanted to build this kind of youth movement of bands that didn't need, corporate labels or corporate sponsors they were going to do it themselves and, and build these touring networks and all of that I actually do think is is awesome and uh, and positive um, <laughs> lyric it's not always in the lyrics though uh, oftentimes it's just complaining about the world as the world rather than like uh, hey it doesn't need to be this way let's make it this way as we got closer to making this record I wanted to make sure that there was that side to what's going on I'm not just going to be angry about everything because everything's horrible uh, yeah, I want to call out things that shouldn't be the way they are because they should be a different way. So yeah, I rewrote the song, uh, I think in 2020, like, you know, within the year leading up to actually making the record. Um, and yeah, so, you know, the, the vibe of it is this kind of anti-influencer, anti-thought leader thing. I was seeing a lot of that go on. Um, not it, it wasn't just happening in 2020. Obviously, it's been happening for years. And it's something I just can't stand. <laughs> uh, and I've seen people, a lot of people in my world, in the sort of like uh, academic theology world and in the, uh, the Christian church world, who very positively frame themselves as thought leaders, uh, as cultural influencers. And I just, I'll admit, I just roll my eyes when I see people um, label themselves that. I'm just not interested in that <laughs> um in 2020 especially though everybody's shutting their houses they're there we can't actually go out in the world and interact with one another so we're all kind of turning to YouTube uh for me I'm turning to YouTube to watch like M- Marvel crap <laughs> and just kind of be entertained but I'm watching a lot of people turn to like political and uh spiritual type influencers and leaders and get more and more radicalized in their ideas because they're just getting this direct feed from these people just (laughs) jabbering. And, and, you know, they all present themselves with some kind of apparent uh, expertise. And I'm having to deal with certain people in my life who have these just inflexible, uh, you know, radicalized ways of thinking And when you question them on it, they just send you a YouTube link. Like, oh, just watch this video. Uh, And, you know, maybe the first time or two I do, and after that, I'm like, why would I do that? Why would I waste my time watching this stupid YouTube video from a person I've never heard of? I don't know who this person is. Like, yeah, but they did research. And so I'm like, no, a Google search is not research. Um, So there's just a lot of that going on. But maybe more um, concerningly for me, I'm watching people in um, the church leadership world that I kind of live in, aspire to be that. They, they want to brand themselves and get online because that's where you can influence people because everybody's stuck in their homes. All right, let's meet them where they're at. Let's, let's make more and more uh, you know, online content. Um, let's convert what it means to do ministry within the church to these digital platforms and that all just really bummed me out. I'm like, no. That that's not the way to to respond to this. Now, I mean, I I don't want to sound too extreme. There like there was some of that that was happening within my own church that I do feel very differently about cuz we are a small church. The, the this move online was not to grow influence and spread Uh, you know, the voice of leaders to more and more and more people that you'll never actually have any touch with. No, this was in a time where we just recognized like us, like hundred or so people can't get together in the same physical space. So we're going to have to communicate digitally for a while. So I felt differently about that. I I don't want to sound like I'm, uh, uh, you know, too extreme about it, but it's more just the, the uh, phenomenon of watching People, and it's not just obviously in the Christian church, this is a general American cultural thing. People who want to um, broaden their reach, widen their influence, and aren't necessarily, don't seem to be thinking about, yeah, the more you do that, the, the shallower the impact you make. Because the higher number of people that you are influencing, the less points of contact you can actually have with any of them, right? Basically what you're saying is, you want to increase your influence over more people whose names you will never know whose actual life situation you will never make any contact with and that's not something i think genuine people should desire sometimes like situations you know lift certain people up in a, in a society that they do become leaders like that but to me the best of those leaders didn't want that they were forced into it but in our culture everybody wants that and I find it disgusting. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I, I'm saying in this song, no more. I'm like, this is just not something I, I we're going to want. But I, I think if you if you look at the lyrics of this song and you break them down, they are, they're all framed negatively. I'll definitely admit that. But I think if you're listening to what the song is really saying, I think there is actually a very positive celebration going on in the song that's why the party vibe of it the track one open set opener aspect of the song i actually think fits with the message pretty well because as much of a of a you know fist in the air no more type of anthem as this song is i think it's also just as much a celebration of the people in our lives that actually have the right to speak into the ways we think. Uh, I it, To illustrate that, my favorite line, <laughs> if, if I can do that, if I can stroke my own ego and pat myself on the back for a line that I wrote that I'm really happy with, uh, my favorite line of the song is in the bridge uh, where it says, phantasmic talking head. Phantasmic means like a phantom, right? Phantom talking head, neither alive nor dead, right? there's no pulse I get to feel from this person there's just a 2d flat image. You're not like at least uh, to me this is a person who's who's not alive but you know they're also not dead. no flesh and bone for bearing load or breaking bread. I love that line because as much of a criticism as it is of the person on the screen, it's a celebration of those who do, actually show up with work gloves on and bear load in our lives and break bread with us at tables in our lives. Those are the people this song is calling us to turn to and celebrate and be excited about, especially, you know, at the time as, you know, I'm writing this in the middle of 2020, but I'm looking beyond it. And like, I can't wait until life, you know, looks more like that again. And at this point it basically does. We're able to, uh, you know, to be in each other's presence, to work together, to eat together. Um, so that's really uh, that's that's really what I see this song being a celebration of. It's it's a turn to those who bear load with us, who break bread with us. It's about being intentional, about being more ready to listen to those who have earned the right to speak into our lives, who know our names, who know what's going on with us uh, in our actual lives, rather than just somebody. Uh, up on a pulpit or up on a screen who's, uh yeah, talking like they have all the ideas that are going to change our lives, but aren't actually there in our lives to know what's going on in our lives. Uh So, yeah, that's why, you know, at, at the end of the song, there is kind of this gang vocal rallying cry to, like, no more... Uh n- no more talking head won't get fooled again that is anybody <laughs> who was questioning it that is a very intentional uh rip off of the who uh and their song won't get fooled again um I, i've had a few people ask me like did you know the who have a song called I'm like, of course i do of course i'm pulling that lyric on purpose uh yeah it, it's a similar kind of like line in the sand we're not doing this anymore uh, no more talking heads, because this whole th- this phenomenon in our culture—it's supply and demand, right? You- YouTube is full of these political and spiritual influencers because we, as a people, are addicted to punditry, right? We, we, we—there's uh, uh, so much demand for that kind of quote-unquote experts who, with no clear qualifications, but with these strong communication skills that makes us feel like I don't know it makes us feel empowered in some way or smarter in some way uh, and so these people keep showing up but if we as a people wise up and say no what no we' there's no more demand for this the su- the supply will go away' <laughs> we'll, we'll we won't have these influencers all over the place and I would think that would be a better world um so that's what uh that's what talking head's about um that's uh, that's why I get excited about it being the first song on our record. Um, I don't know, uh, you know, to me, a live set is a moving thing. I think it w- it will be a, a set opener sometimes, probably not all the time that, that would get boring, but, uh, I definitely wrote it to be that. Uh, so anyway, that's my, uh, that's my breakdown of, of talking head. I, I hope that gives you, uh, satisfying <laughs> background to listening to the song, um, I hope it doesn't give you, you know, too much. Sometimes I don't know. You remove all the mystique, and the, the song is less fun. I don't know. Let me know. Uh, h- hit me up on the in uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or just uh, shoot me an email. Too bad Eugene band at gmail.com, uh, and let me know. Uh, next week I'll be breaking down deconversion story, which is one that I I. Uh, Compared to Talking Head, I think the the point of deconversion story is a little bit more obscure, and that's on purpose. So I'm really looking forward to breaking that one down. Uh, I I've had a few people say like, "What are you trying to say here?" And I'm like, "Yeah, that's why I'm doing a podcast, because <laughs> I want to answer that question, but I don't want to answer the question in the song. Uh, I want the song to be more vague. So I'll tell you why next week. So I'm looking forward to." Uh, Uh, to talk to you next week between now and then have a great one.